Our guest today on the show is Mr. David Lee, and you are in for a treat. I just got done having the conversation with him, and it was amazing. We covered so much ground, including the difference between toxic masculinity and wounded masculinity, how to actually avoid conflict or at least navigate through conflicts inside relationships, how do you actually reconcile relationships when that's needed, what happens when people are leading with their masculine, what happens when people are leading with their feminine, how do you actually define trauma, and how do you actually overcome trauma and understand the different parts of yourself? and open up a conversation there using some of his advanced techniques. So definitely check out David. He's the founder and owner of Daring Deeply Coaching. He's a speaker, writer, uh, and coach. He runs a business alongside his fiance, Paige, uh, who's also amazing. But if you've ever felt stuck, you know, especially in the world of, of relationships, sexual things, things related to the opposite sex or who you're attracted to, this is a really great space and, and conversation for you to be listening to and to engage with, particularly around what he calls the trauma-informed polarity approach. So looking at masculine, feminine, and how to actually heal from your trauma instead of just letting it constantly, constantly, constantly get triggered inside your relationships. David's just a great guy. He's an awesome, you know, father as well. And somebody who just wears his heart on his sleeve. I, I really love that about him because what you see is what you get with David. If you want to check out the work that him and Paige are up to, make sure you do. It's Daring Deeply Coaching. We'll drop a link in the show notes. And without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. David, welcome to the show. How are you today, man? Andrew Biggs. What is going on, my brother? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, man. It's good to see you. I know we've uh, we've tried this a couple of times. We had some technical difficulties, but we've we've made it work this time. And and as you said over text, the third time's the charm. So right. I'm so excited to be here with you and to jump into today's topic, which you are a master in, right? As all things around polarity, masculine, feminine, around you know how to really live in your masculine if you are called to that, how to live in your feminine if you're called to that. And also just, you know, how to navigate modern challenges and relationships. So, man, I, I've been looking forward to this. I'm super pumped. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we could talk for hours and hours and hours on all that. Like, huh, how do we make relationships work? Let's talk about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And it, it's funny because, you know, for most business people, I, I certainly feel this way at times. I'll be completely honest and transparent here on the, on the podcast today. It's like, I feel so proficient in all these ways, right? I'm like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. I feel great here. You know, I can check that box. You asked me a sales question. I could help you a leadership question. I'm going to knock it out of the park. Sometimes, though, I'll be honest, you ask me a relationship question, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man, because I, sometimes I don't feel as competent there. And I think a lot of business people, you know, can struggle with that. So I'm just excited to jump in with you, man. Where would you like to start in terms of kind of, you know, navigating relationships and conflict and all these different things? Because, you know, especially as someone who's married, especially as someone who has kids, Especially, you know, there's stressors, there's things to do, there's all these sorts of things. Conflict is inevitable, but how do you navigate it? Because you seem like somebody who understands it better than anyone else that I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I try. I try. I, as I like to say, I'm the learner of the lessons in which I teach. Right. So I'm, I'm in, I'm in consistently learning ship, learning ship, learning. Sure. Let's go with it about conflict and relationships. What I, what I will say is I'll just kind of shoot it out of the barrel at the first is the reason why there is conflict in any relationship. Here's a golden nugget right at the top, Andrew. You ready? The reason why there is any conflict in any relationship, whether it's personal relationship, you and your child, business, whatever, it doesn't matter, is that two wounded, wounded masculine energies are both coming forward at the same time. That's it. Drop that mic, right? Well, maybe I will, right? So when we have what's super important to understand about polarity in general, masculine, feminine polarity, is that there is a masculine energy present, there is a feminine energy present within all of us. And to your point, everyone, every soul on the planet has both masculine and feminine energy present within them. Now, how you identify on what your core, what we call your core energy is up to you. So for me, 
my core identified energy is masculine. And so I want to be more in my masculine, forward, dominant, leadership, decisive, with some other words, black and white, logical. I'm in my head more often than I'm in my body. Whereas feminine energy, which I tap into, my healthy feminine energy that I tap into and always healing. By the way, we have wounds within masculine and feminine energetics. We'll get into that, I'm sure, down the road here in this conversation. But ultimately, conflict, I'll get back to that. Conflict is when two masculine energies come forward and we clash, okay? Because masculine energy is giving, moving forward. Feminine energy is receptive. It's following, okay? It doesn't mean, here is the biggest, biggest caveat, Okay? It doesn't mean that one is better than the other or more important than the other. And sometimes we get wrapped up into this idea that, oh, well, if masculine energy is the leader, then they're more important. Untrue. Absolutely untrue. And so we get obviously get a lot of pushback in this somewhat newer understanding of masculine and feminine energy thinking because, by the way, one of the core energies of the masculine is dominance, not domineering important distinction, dominance is the ability to make decisions. That's the masculine leadership. Well, if we have two of those wounded masculines coming forward, we're going to have conflict. And if we have two feminine energies forward, nothing gets done. Because both people are like, yeah, what do you want to do? I don't know. Where do you want to go to dinner? Where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. What do you want to do? Right? This is why we have an age-old conflict when the wife is saying to the husband, for example, in a heterosexual relationship, so, babe, where do you want to go to eat? And he says, I don't care, wherever you want to go. And she becomes increasingly frustrated because she just wants him to make a damned decision. If both of them are trying to decide where to go, there we have conflict. Right? And I've often said this, there must be one healthy, masculine energy forward in every conversation, every relationship, and every business to ensure that something is moving forward. That's why I have this whole piece of content in which I say partnerships are a myth. There's no such thing as a partnership, which is like, what? Wait, wait a minute. Wait, I want a partnership in my marriage. I want a partnership in my business. Ultimately, though, if we follow the lines and the laws of polarity, there could only be one masculine dominant leadership moving forward to make decisions. And that's okay. So that's why we see, for example, why sometimes things don't get done in governments or organizations and nobody ever makes a decision moving forward. We just kind of, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, let's table it. Let's have a committee meeting. Who's in charge of this meeting? So what's super important to understand about conflict is that a healthy masculine energy moving forward has done the work, whether it's within masculine or feminine, woman, man, it doesn't matter, but that that masculine forward energy is healthy and growing and confident and has healed past wounds and trauma in order to feel the confidence to step into a healing masculine energy to move forward. Amazing. I mean, you probably gave me like six or seven different concepts here that I think we can unpack. So I think it's awesome. So one masculine energy leader leading properly, right? Who's, who's leading from a healthy place is what's necessary. And when the, when two wounded masculine energies are coming forth, you know, in my example, the, the husband and the wife, right, are coming forth, then there's a conflict. And then if there's two feminine energies, nothing gets done. This is really interesting. You've given us this almost like a two by two matrix is like I'm picturing in my head, right? It's like masculine, feminine, right? He, you know, healthy and, and wounded, we might call it. What are characteristics of those four boxes? Like, can you unpack that matrix for me that I just uh, imagined in my mind? <laughs> that, you just, that you just created. Yeah, absolutely. When we're working with our clients, and by the way, we are Paige and my my partner. Huh? I just said partnership. So, well, she's my partner for the lack of a better way to put it. Fiance, whatever you want, whatever you want to call her, but we work together. We are partners in business and life and love and relationships. And we congrats, are. Congrats, by Thank the you. way. Thank you. Know, you. Appreciate uh, that. exciting for you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So how we identify ourselves, what our niche is, is we are trauma-informed polarity coaches and we help individuals, men and women, in essence, provide them pathways in which to heal their trauma through a polarity lens, through a masculine and feminine polarity lens. And what we do with our clients is we help them identify different woundings, both within their masculine energy and their feminine energy. And some of those masculine wounds, for example, is overbearing, domineering, passive aggressive, rejection, et cetera, et cetera. 
And by the way, that that can be found if we have a woman who is more in her masculine energy than she is in her feminine energy, those wounded masculine energetics will come forward and it'll feel like, well, wait, and she will be exhausted because she is more in her masculine and not in her core feminine energy. This is why so many boss babes are exhausted and they have stepped into their masculine energy, perhaps because they've had to, or perhaps by choice. And then they wonder, why am I so freaking exhausted? Well, because you are not in your core energy, you are more perhaps in your wounded masculine energy, or you're in your wounded feminine energy, which is neediness, right? which is codependency, which is this, this idea of people pleasing. I could go on and on and on and on. We probably have heard this before, right? Now, it doesn't mean that a man can't be a people pleaser, but he's just swimming in that wounded feminine energy. There's the difference, okay? And by the way, we all have wounded feminine and wounded masculine energies that are connected to unmet needs of trauma from once upon a time. So the reason why somebody is a, quote, people pleaser is because once upon a time, they realized that their worth was determined by somebody liking them. And that probably happened when they were three or seven or 12 or 18 or 22. And then it was just repeated. It wasn't that they were re-traumatized. This is an important note. Okay. You cannot be re-traumatized, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. That's a myth. Okay. There was an original incident, what we call an OI based on internal family systems therapy and coaching in which we subscribe to. Once upon a time, there was an OI or an original incident okay, that happened. Someone screamed at you because you weren't doing the right thing. Right. And that is traumatizing. Okay. And what happens within the nervous system, the body remembers that and it stays stored inside your body forever until you release it. I often refer to trauma as trauma comes into a tunnel, gets stuck in the tunnel and needs to be released outside the other tunnel. Most of the time with most of the people on the planet, it never gets released. It never goes through the entire process. So what we help our clients do is help them release through the other side of the tunnel by first identifying their masculine and feminine wounding, just like I described. Then we have on the other side, Andrew, we have on the other side, the, what we call integrated or healthy masculine and feminine. So the healthy masculine is leadership and confidence and devotion and power and decisiveness, etc., etc. The healing or integrated feminine right, is radiance right, and ideation and creativity and sensuality and arousal. Right? These are all healthy, integrated feminine energies. And when we are possessing both healthy feminine healthy masculine, now we're on our way to a more healed existence. Does that help? Definitely. Definitely. For you, the listener, if you're thinking about your relationship, aren't those healthy qualities that David just listed, the qualities you want in a relationship, right? There's leadership, there's devotion, there's decisiveness and decision-making, and there's also creativity and sensuality and radiance and a spark and a, and a fire. And it's like, but isn't that what we all want, right? Like we want, you know, all of that, right? We want the, the relationship to be headed in the right direction, you know, for growth to be occurring, for each individual inside the relationship to be pursuing their best version of themselves. And we want that like dynamic between the two, between the partnership, to use that phrase again, that word again, between the couple to say like, okay, what is the, you know, what's unique about this? And, and what is that spark? And that spark comes from the feminine. So I really love this. And I also want to circle back on this whole trauma-informed polarity coaching. So we go back and we identify this trauma. Again, trauma, I, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time defining it, but you know, your definition, I would love to hear how you define trauma, just so we get that you know, box check. Because some people say, I've never been traumatized, but what's your definition? How we define trauma is any dysregulation to the nervous system. That's it. <laughs> so falling off your bike when you're seven is trauma. Right? Being screamed at is trauma. Right Now, what's important to note, a little bit of science here. So all the science nerds, listen up. Okay. The nervous system was developed and created before the brain. Okay, So the nervous system was there in utero right? And experiencing, and by the way, trauma can be passed down generations on a cellular level. 
So we can experience trauma from two or three generations ago and go, why in the world do I feel traumatized? Well, I don't think this ever happened to me. Well, it's because your great-great-grandmother experienced trauma and it was trapped in her cellular system, her nervous system, and was passed through, right? So it explains an enormous, an enormous amount of, huh, I don't really remember that ever happening to me. So it's the dysregulation of the nervous system. And when the nervous system feels that trauma, it remains there until it's processed and released. That help? Yeah, that's super helpful. I do need to double click or like push back a little bit on the whole, this can be passed through generations. Is that a belief of yours? Is that scientific? Just help me understand, is that through epigenetics or something like that for the, you know, for someone who hasn't studied this as much as you? That sounds maybe a little bit far-fetched, but you know, I'm open to considering it. What would you say to that? To play to play devil's to play devil's advocate, right? Because you you know, like if you say if you say something like that, you know, someone's gonna be like, what does that mean? How is that possible? Like, walk me through that. Yeah, which by the way, I love devil's advocate. I love pushing envelopes. That's why, you know, I think that's why because I see it as an opportunity. I see it as an opportunity to dialogue. In fact, one of our guidelines of engagement at Daring Deeply, our coaching practice, one of our ten commandments, if you would say is to be curious before critical is to ask questions like you're doing like, Oh, I'm going to double click on that, which I never heard that. That sounds like an Andrew Biggs to me. Well done. I'm going to double click on that. I'm going to backtrack and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. So to answer your question, yes, epigenetics right, is part of this. And scientifically what we have seen, I'll give you an example. Mark Waller wrote a book that's called, it didn't start with you. And his research as a therapist over a generation or so, for example, he tells a story of a woman, with whom he was working with, one of his clients, who was having serious suicidal ideation. And her suicidal ideation was very specific. Her family owned an ironworks, and she would fantasize about taking her own life by throwing herself into the hot molten lava. <laughs> now, I don't know all the intricacies of all that, but I can imagine. I've seen enough movies where I've seen the giant vat of stuff in an ironworks, and this was very curious. And what she couldn't understand was why that was coming through so often. Like, why that? Why not a, quote, traditional, this could be sounding a macabre, but a more traditional way in which to take one's life. Mark, in his therapy, began to identify and move through his therapeutic practice and leveraging some IFS theory, which I, we can get into a little bit. And what he came to understand, what she came to understand after she did some research, she found out that her grandmother was murdered in Auschwitz in an oven. She was eviscerated, right? And so in some ways, this was her opportunity to release her grandmother's trauma. Now, there's a, there was a whole lot more. Once she understood, oh my gosh, I am carrying the trauma of my dead grandmother from two or three generations ago, she was able to connect and say, oh, now I'm understanding where that's coming from. I'm able to then have those communications with those parts, which is part of internal family systems. Parts work, if those of you that are familiar with that. So she was be able to have conversations with those parts and begin to release that trauma that had been in the family for who knows how long. When I think about anything related to trauma, psychology, um, epigenetics, family history, metaphysics, it's like we're swimming in some waters that are pretty deep. And the way I would interpret this if for you, the listener, if you are skeptical of that, it's like, there's a lot of different ways for a lot of different things to come through. And we are so in the dark on so much of this. It's a relatively new, I mean, even just modern psychology in general is really Freud and the unconscious mind. It's like, what is that early 20th century? These are new concepts in general that we're playing around with. And, you know, I'm just excited about ideas and having the discussions to try to figure out, you know, what's right. I'm curious to zoom in on this parts work. One of the things you say around healing your trauma, and this is kind of a, a calling card of yours, is to heal your trauma, you got to love your trauma. Talk to me about that. Like, what does that even mean? Because you've already said several things that feel very counterintuitive to most people. It's like, love my trauma. Why would I love something terrible that happened to me? 
Like walk me through that a little bit. So the first paradigm we want to crash into is that, well, even back further than that, every single person on the planet has trauma. Every single one of us. I have trauma. Andrew has trauma. We all have trauma. Right. So if we set a standard and say, oh, if trauma is, quote, common, then it helps us get a new standard to say, okay, 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 this is okay. I can now then begin to heal it. We'll start there because there is still a level of shame, I think, associated with like, oh, no, no, I'm not traumatized. I'm good. I'm good. I certainly didn't go to war, so I'm not as traumatized as that person. What I will say is the nervous system cannot differentiate between the acuteness and the severity. Trauma is trauma is trauma. So it all needs to be released. It all needs to be processed. So how does that happen? And why do I say in order to heal your trauma, you have to love your trauma? Because in order to heal trauma, you have to reestablish neural pathways with parts of you, the actual parts of you that were traumatized years ago. And typically what we're dealing with is childhood trauma, right? Because if we look at the theory behind internal family systems, which is parts work, is we're made up of parts. So no one is traumatized. There are parts of us that are traumatized. And so that could provide right there a level of, okay, wait a minute. I'm not effed up. I'm not broken, right? Which is absolutely true. You're not. So those of you that are watching or listening, you're not effed up. You're not broken. You're not a hot mess. Okay. There are parts of you there are parts of you that was traumatized years ago, decades ago, a generation ago, whatever, whatever the case may be. In order to heal your trauma, you have to love your trauma. What does that mean? We have to reestablish a new relationship with the parts, the original parts that were traumatized. Because what we've done, Andrew, you're a parent, right? You've got young kids. I have kids. My kids are no longer young, but I remember, and Andrew, you probably remember, or maybe it's now, when your children want you and they say, dad, dad, daddy, dad dad, dad. Yeah. I can even tell your energy right now. You're like, shut up, David. This is bothering me, which by the way, that's a trigger. Ah, that's a trigger. Okay. Because they want our attention and why wouldn't they? Right? So our parts are very much like our children. They want attention. And once upon a time, they didn't get it. An unmet need happened when they were seven or 10 or 12 or 15. And then that original, that trauma, that dysregulation of the nervous system remained intact. So what do we do? We need to, as a 50-year-old man, need to go back right, and actually have a conversation with the 12-year-old, what we call the exiled part, the actual part that was traumatized, because there's other parts too. We're going to get really complex in a minute here. There are other parts that are trying to protect that part. In essence, what we think are standing in the way. They're really not. They're trying to protect the original part that was traumatized. And those are what we call triggers. So when we feel inside our body, the hot sweats, it's in my chest, heart palpitations, my heart rate starts raising, I start sweating, I'm pitting out, whatever the case may be, we get angry, we get sad, we get depressed. Those are all triggers from those parts that are still going, hello, dad, dad, daddy, dad. Except they're not saying dad, they're saying Andrew. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. And traditional thought says, just get over it. Stop thinking about it. Do something else. Drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, busy it away, kid soccer it away, whatever the case may be. Rub some dirt in it, put up your bootstraps, whatever the case may be. And all that's doing is bypassing or overriding the trauma, which is what most of us have been taught to do. And then that's been passed down generationally. Like, oh, no, time heals all wounds. You'll be fine. Time does not heal wounds. Work heals wounds. The work. And what we say is we have to go through the trauma, not around it. We have to go through it. We have to have a new relationship with that part that once upon a time was traumatized. And that's the work. So when I say in order to heal the trauma, you got to love the trauma, when you simply have to reestablish a new relationship. And that relationship is a loving relationship, a validating relationship, an open relationship. And what we instruct our clients to do in the very beginning is simply begin a conversation by recognizing when you're triggered. And this is when we first start our, our work with our clients. We simply say, when you feel triggered, when you feel that coming up and rising up inside of you, you're like, is simply to say this, I see you, I hear you, 
How are you? What do you need right now? Which is interesting because wouldn't we all want somebody to talk to us that way? <laughs> well, so do our parts, right? To establish that relationship, a loving, validating, open, affirming conversation with the heart is how we love the trauma to heal the trauma. What'd you say? Drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, whatever. I was like, yep, I tried all those. And then it's like, yep, we got to eventually it's like we're right back where we started. We're no better by trying to escape right from these emotions, from these feelings that you're feeling. Push it down. Right. That's another kind of, you know, strategy that you know, maybe like I could imagine my father's generation or his father's generation really, you know, saying like, Really, you guys really need to talk to your parts and all those things. Like, I just, you know, I just took my parts out back, shot it in the head, and went to work the next day. And they probably kind of did, but did it help them? I don't think so. Did it help them connect with themselves? Did it help them with their relationships? Did it help them, you know, really connect to their purpose in life and live that out? If we're going to be big people, we're going to really grow, we're going to really create some sort of legacy for our families. That legacy isn't just financial. What are the traditions of your household? What are the values? What do you stand for? What do people think about when they think of you? How many people are around you when you die? And, you know, assuming you, you go gracefully, like, these are the things, right, that people should be thinking about. And you really can't do that unless you're doing the work that David's talking about. You could try, you know, but like you're not going to make enough money for the people in your life to, to care as deeply about you as you want them to. Uh, it's really by doing this inner work. So this is this is really beautiful. We talked about polarity at the start. I mean, the masculine feminine dynamic especially in today's culture where there's so much confusion around it. You know, one of those things you said, hey, this is a, kind of a new way of looking at it, right? There needs to be one leader and that the, a partnership doesn't, you know, really exist. And in some ways it's new. It, it's kind of remembering an old way of, of going about things. It's almost what I thought about. But I could also see that being very, you know, a little bit of a trigger warning for, say, somebody who's a feminist, someone who feels like, hey, you know, is David and Andrew trying to say like that men are better? And I could kind of see that too. So so walk me through that a little bit. What are some of the modern confusions, if you will, around masculine, feminine, around gender, around all of that whole discussion? What would you say to that? What I will say is that the trauma on a global collective state swings pendulums violently in each direction. Very rarely are we here. Most of the time we're here, right? This is why we call it a polarized culture. We have Democrats over here, we have Republicans way over here, and there's no in-between. That's the myth, right? That's the mistake. That's the misalignment. So if we're looking, if we're looking at polarity as poles, P-O-L-E-S, the North Pole and the South Pole, right, Andrew? If we don't have those two, we fall off the planet, <laughs> right? We've always heard opposites attract. We've always heard that. Right? And some people will say, oh my gosh, that's not true. And we have everything in common and you know those types of things. I think where I can begin is to say that the poles are not favored. There's no one better, right? There's no energy that's better. Because if we don't have a North Pole, but we have a South Pole, we're in trouble. Just like if we don't have the feminine, the masculine runs dry. And let me provide a little bit of an illustration here. This is what we often leverage with our clients. Think of polarity as an open glass, clear, full of water. This is polarity. The glass serves as the masculine energy. It's the container. It holds space. The water within it right, is fluid, sometimes chaotic. And by the way, chaos is not a bad word. If the glass is empty and dry, the masculine is alone. The masculine feels dry. The masculine feels unpurposeful. In fact, the feminine energy brings life to the very planet. <laughs> That's why we leverage water. It's life-giving. Think of everything that water brings to us. It keeps us alive. And yet, if we don't have the container, the masculine, where does the water go? Everywhere, right? It goes everywhere. Or we can think in terms of banks of a river. The banks serve as the masculine. Now, to answer your question, what has hurt this idea of true, grounded, healthy, trauma-informed 
polarity is that the wounded masculine rises to the top and says, I am in control. I am in domineering attitude. Okay. I say what goes. That is not polarity, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. That is misinformed, misaligned patriarchy. We'll just say that. And we don't leverage the term toxic masculinity. We don't say toxic masculinity. We say wounded masculinity. Okay. So, and that's been a very popular phrase to throw around over the last six or seven years, right? There is a reason why the Me Too movement exploded. It needed to, to bring awareness to how polarity has not been a grounded, healthy paradigm. Okay? A grounded, strong, powerful, dominant, healthy, devoted, masculine energy does not control does not come from a wounded power source. With all of the Me Too movement, that was all wounded masculine that was coming forward. And it needed to end. Not that it ends. It certainly brought it forward, certainly to my attention, big time. And it was very foreign to me when all that came out, to be honest. So then we can swing the pendulum the other way to where we come into a feminist movement of 50 years ago, where it's, where it's similar to Me Too, Right to where it's like, no, you're not going to take my power away, and I'm going to burn my bra, right? And I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to, I want equal pay, and all those things. Well, that's the pendulum swinging the other way, right? Ultimately, what we're teaching and coaching is we want polarity to be here, not here. And once that new narrative comes forth, what we've recognized is that our clients and our followers and those who are paying attention to what we're doing say, oh. Actually, that is what I want. I do want, this is what women say, I do want to be led. <laughs> I want to be led by that, but I don't want to be led by that. Exactly, right? And the masculine, if he's been in his woundedness or even in his wounded feminine where he has pulled back and become passive, mm -hmm, right? he will say, actually, I kind of thrive when I'm being challenged. I kind of thrive when I'm leading. I kind of thrive when I'm providing. I kind of thrive when I'm protecting. And so he begins to come forward. She, if she's understanding, begins to surrender. Surrender is a great word in polarity. I know that can be triggering for those that are listening right now. In fact, one of our core feminine programs is called surrender. And so much of that is the ladies will come in and go, I don't even like that word. I'm triggered by it. That's okay. That's okay. Triggers are, again, triggers when it comes to trauma are simply alerts that say to us, oh, healing is still needed. That's okay. We all need it. I love the analogy, right, of this like glass of water in the water. And it's like the wounded masculine is essentially controlling it, putting a top over that. And then it creates this stagnation, right? But of course, without the masculine, it's the flooding of the riverbanks. And all of a sudden, the, the town is destroyed because it doesn't have a, a place to go, right? That's healthy and, and it's not directed in a proper way. It's not led in a proper way. So I think that that's a great analogy. And I think you did a great job also of like breaking down kind of the idea of feminism and then toxic masculinity and all the current things that are in the culture, of course. I also think, <laughs> you know, it's like this whole pendulum thing, it's so huge, right? Because like, and that's one of the reasons for the Better Than Rich show, why we have these conversations is to hopefully bring a little bit of sanity to the conversation, maybe even just, a, even just a little bit. But it's like, you know, of course, these pen, it's like, there's a retaliation factor, right? So when somebody is, you know, acting in a certain way, you know, there has to be a kind of an equal and opposite reaction to it. So when someone's being so extreme, there has to be kind of that equal and opposite reaction. And that's where we keep playing ping pong. That's why I look at like the political landscape and I'm like, I don't like either of these options. You know, it's like, can we please like have some sanity around this? So anyways, not, not to go down that rabbit hole, but one of the things I'm curious about is let's say someone comes to you and they realize all these things. They start to work on themselves. They start to, you know, have conversations with the different parts of them. They start to heal themselves. But let's say a relationship was previously built and conditioned almost maybe for years, maybe for decades in an unhealthy way. How do you go about rewriting the story of that relationship, right? Let's say it's a marriage, right? Both are committed. They don't want to leave, but they're both unhappy. 
they start to work on it. But how do you actually recondition the dynamics that have become so second nature after years and years and years of being together? And quite frankly, some of the resentment, right, that's been there, some of the, you know, dusting off the 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 ledger of you know i remember six years ago when you said this and 12 years ago you did that how do you do that that is the all-important question is how do i fix this david how do, how do i fix this how do i fix this my first response to that is you don't it's like wait wait a minute what people will come to us andrew and say we want your help to fix our marriage and this is what i'll say i said we don't do that i don't even know what that is and they're like what kind of like you are looking at me right now I'm like what I don't even know what a relationship or a marriage is. Okay. But we say that all the time. I'm like, Oh, I want, I want to, I want to save my marriage. The reality is that doesn't exist. There are two, two individuals that come together that choose once upon a time, they chose to enter into a relationship. What so often happens though, is it becomes a codependent enmeshment where it's like, oh, two shall become one. Okay. Two shall become one is a myth. Two shall remain two. That's what we teach. This is interdependence. This is two individuals remaining who they are. So if we stay with that narrative, we're not to save the marriage. We're not to save our partner. We're only to save or work on who? Me, the individual. So to give you an example, we have had couples who have come to us and say, we want to work with you together. And I say, no, we will work with you individually. And right now I'm working with four couples individually. We work with the husband, we work with the wife, and those lines do not cross. Boundaries, super, super important. Boundaries, by the way, is a healthy masculine energy and must be present within everybody. But they've come to us and they've said, one, and by the way, pop quiz for everybody, guess who... Which one? The feminine or the masculine came to us first? Can you guess, guys? Anybody? Andrew, what do you think? Uh-huh. Yep. Ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Because healing is a feminine energy. That's why, by the way, the wounded masculine finds it so hard to do so. Because it's counter, doesn't make sense, and we have been shamed. To your point, it's like, oh, my grandfather, my great father, they didn't talk about it. They just took it outside the barn and shot it. Right? It's like... Because if you're going to heal, you have to ask for help. All that to say, we are working. We first began to work with the woman. And then what happened was, in all of these cases, the woman began to heal. The woman began to see growth. The woman began to, on her own, and we are very specific, your journey is your journey. Because the last thing that the masculine ever wants, by the way, newsflash friends, is for the feminine to come to him and say, you know what you ought to do? This is often referred to as nagging, or they slide the pamphlet across the table and say, hey, babe, we should go to this marriage conference. Ladies, are you listening? That is incredibly emasculating. You cannot change a man. Newsflash, have you tried? It doesn't work. You can try. You can try to belittle him. You can try to berate him. You can try to threaten him. But the reality is he's not ready until he's ready. All that to say, we work with the individual. So we're not interested in fixing the relationship. In some cases, we work with an individual who is in a relationship. We're not necessarily working with the other individual. And that particular person is growing and thriving. And that relationship may just come to a completion, as we say. Because as we know, when we grow, we begin to grow and flow and elevate away from folks who aren't in a space or choosing not to grow alongside with us. Super hard, super difficult, because we think, oh, if I just do this, if I convince him or convince her, then she'll be on board with me. The reality is, it's just you. If you heal, the world around you will heal in some ways. Now, the relationship may still not be there, and that's the tough stuff. As we like to say, awareness is, oh, I'm aware of my trauma. I'm aware that I need to heal. I'm aware that I need to hire David and Paige. But that's not the work. That's what we call shelf help. That's, oh, I went to the seminar, I read the book, I listened to the podcast. Okay. Where we then take the awareness and move into implementation. And implementation is the hardest because you will, guaranteed. Here is the warning label, ladies and gentlemen. Relationships will not look the same in six months, in a year, 
in it. I mean, if, and you, you and I have experienced this, right, Andrew? I mean, if we would look back at the relationships that we have had in the last five years, there are people in our life five years ago that may not be in our life now. And that's hard and that's difficult. And I get it. <laughs> it's really hard. And there is the necessary grieving and mourning that must take place in that. And that's what we help folks do as well. Absolutely. I think that all sounds great. I love the idea of like helping the individual, right? Not trying to fix things and just working with saying, hey, what do you really need to do? It's so true. If you're listening to this and you're really honest with yourself, every time a positive change occurred in, in any relationship, whether it was a romantic relationship or a business partnership or whatever, it's when you got your shit together. Let's be honest, right? It's when you decided to step up and stop being a baby and stop making excuses. And sometimes Stopping a baby and stop making excuses means having conversations with your broken parts, your traumatized parts, and having the courage to sit in that emotion and actually face it. And if you need support with that, that's what David and Paige do, right? It's is, is actually guiding you through that relatively uncomfortable conversation with yourself that you may need to have. Start with, hey, how you doing? Hey, I hear you. I'm with you, right? But shelf help, to David's point, isn't going to help you. So definitely look them up. <laughs> Links in the show notes, as I like to say. So this has been this has been really fun. I have one more question that's specific. Before I always ask three questions at the end of every single guest, so I'll rapid fire those two before right after this. But my one question was about kids. You have kids. I have kids. You mentioned someone yells at you when you're seven years old or you're trying to get dad's attention and he's busy, right? And you make make that mean something or whatever, even if he wasn't intending to blow you off or, or not give you attention. This is one of the most painful things as a father is like I can think about times where I was triggered, where I know, basically I know, right, that I was not aware enough to be properly parenting in that moment where I made a mistake. If anyone else is a parent, hopefully you're honest enough with yourself to admit that too. What can I do? What can the parents listening do to try to get some of this, get a, get out ahead of this work, right? Do we really need to do get a, heal our trauma when we're 50 or can we, can we do this earlier on? So I want to make sure that I'm understanding the question. Are you asking what the parent should be doing? In regards to the parenting style and communication and in some ways, yeah, it's like, you know, if I were to have a conversation about, you know, mistakes that I've made with my son, let's say seven, right? How could I open up a dialogue? And again, he's seven, not 17. I understand there's got to be a bridge there. Because if I say some of these things, he's going to be like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, because his level of awareness is not going to be there. But it's like, how could I go about reconciling different little things that maybe have, have picked up residue along the way? Any thoughts on that? I've often said this, the greatest thing that you can do for your children is to heal yourself, right? And so that is an ongoing process that happens. We have several parents as clients, and they are actually having parts conversations with their five-year-old, their seven-year-old, their 10-year-old, or 12-year-old, age appropriately, and we help guide them through that. But it's interesting how brilliant children are. Isn't it true, Andrew? How brilliant your seven-year-old, you're like, what? I did. I, I wasn't that smart. And they know far more than we give them credit for. So we even have the language typically where we'll say something like this. You know, there's a part of me that feels this. There's a part of me that feels that. There's a part of me that doesn't want to do that. It's not an accident. It's in our vernacular. And we can speak to our children that way too. Hey, is there a part of you that just kind of feels ugly right now? Or is there a part of you that feels sad right now? Just by incorporating the language of parts work, you can begin to connect. And to your point, to your question, Andrew, is, you know, buddy, I have a part of me that is really sad right now because I know that I didn't step up and I didn't do a great job in leading you as your dad. Something else I will often say, one of the other greatest gifts that a parent can give to their children is to apologize and to own up, right, to the quote mistake. Although we prefer the word lesson, right, because a mistake says that it cannot come back from and that's not true with anything ever. I often have people who will say, David, I wish I would have known this 10 years ago. It's like, that's okay. How old are you? Well, I'm 35. Oh, well, you have 75 more years left. And they're like, what, 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 what? Mm -hmm. So it's never too late. And there's nothing that's irreconcilable ever. So I know that my three children, which are almost 22, almost 20 and 18, they have their own trauma work ahead of them. 
And if they're listening to this or watching this, they'd be like, I know, Dad. Thanks. But they have their own trauma healing to do when it's time, if they choose to do it. Am I responsible for their trauma? No. Absolutely not. Did I contribute? Sure. And we can have that adult conversation when the time comes. But you can have it when your son is seven. By simply saying, you know what? I fell short, buddy. I fell short. You can even use language. I hope you can forgive me. Now, he may be like, oh, wow, what does that mean? Ooh, it's okay. It's okay. Not the point. Again, you're an individual, Andrew, right? So we often teach, and you know this too, forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about who? Yeah, it's about me. Simply by you communicating to your son and saying, you know what? I fell short. If he's having a hard time and you feel triggered and he feels triggered and you're having a hard time, it's like, yeah, there's a part of me right now that's really angry. There's a part of me that's really angry with a part of you. And we teach this language because when we say there's a part of me that's angry with a part of you, it diffuses, de-escalates the conflict. Because now it's like, F you, you suck, I'm pissed at you. We take the you statements out and it says, I have a part of me that's upset. That can be really helpful. And it's amazing what we have seen with young children who receive that from parents who are doing the healing work. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It kind of reminds me of an alcoholic making amends or something. It really doesn't matter if the person receives your apology or not. Like you're going through your healing process, do your 12 steps and all of that. So, and I, I also love what you pointed out. It's like anybody who's skeptical about this whole idea about, oh, do we actually have different parts? It's like, it's been encoded into the language, right? <laughs> Where it's like, well, you know, a part of me thinks this, a part of me thinks that, a part of me feels this. Like, you say that all the time, right? If you're listening to this, I almost guarantee you've you've said that in the last, you know, three to six months. Why, right? Because you are actually acknowledging on an unconscious level that you do have parts. So that's really good. So I always ask three questions of our guests. My, my first question is, what do you think the world needs most right now, David? Curiosity. <laughs> the curiosity. We often say this, ask more questions than you ever make statements. Ask more questions than you ever make statements. And that brings people together. So if somebody says, I don't believe in what you think, I'm going to vote for this person. Instead of saying, well, you're an idiot, say, hmm, tell me about your choice. I'm curious to understand you better. Imagine if that was the political narrative. So curiosity is my answer. Beautiful. What one to three books would you recommend everyone listening? Oh, goodness. You know what? I think I have... Do I have one here? Well, the first one that comes to mind is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. That's one of our textbooks, as we say. The Claim Your Power by Mastin Kip, one of our coaches and mentors. And then IFS Theory, IFS Therapy, Internal Family Systems by Richard Schwartz. He developed this theory back in the 80s. And uh, it is really the foundation of, of how we help people through their healing. That's one of the things I definitely want to look up more and study more because I wasn't super familiar with it. I've heard some of this stuff, but I didn't realize there was a real, you know, kind of framework here that he's provided. So that's great. So my third question is, what does it mean to you to be better than rich? There was a conversation, Andrew, that was had in a family visit this past summer. And a family member who will remain nameless said to another family member, are you rich? Are you rich? Now, I will say this. There was a lot of alcohol that had been consumed. And we know sometimes when people consume alcohol, their parts really come out. And so this person said, are you rich? Now, he was speaking monetarily, right? Are you rich? You know, are you rich? We want you to be rich. It's all about being rich. I've often said, and I, and I think about your organization, Andrew, and I think, yeah, if people think that that's what that is, they're mistaken. A richness to life is a grounding, a richness to life for me is healing. I will often say, if you want the most amazing financial abundance, heal. And of course, we can put money on top of things to really escape from our healing. But if you really want to be financially rich, is to heal. And the level of richness that comes in your soul and your spirit, that will elevate, as we say, high tides raise all ships. So it's about a richness of life of soul and spirit. Beautiful answer, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. How can people learn more about what you're up to and what you and Paige are doing with Daring Deeply? I'd love for you to give a call to action here for our humble listener. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, if you're interested in knowing a little bit more, we have a really easy baby step. We have a self-led course for both men and women. 
It's a five day, seven day self-led course, super easy. Stick the toe in the water, get to know who we are. You can find all that information on our website and through Facebook and Instagram and all the TikTok and all the all the things. Most predominantly you'll see on a link tree in our Instagram and you'll be able to access that. You also can, we hold once a month, the second Monday of every month, we hold a free coaching live event to where Paige and I get on a Zoom call. Everybody drops in and they submit questions and we answer them live. We help coach them right there live. So if you're interested in knowing what is coaching, how do they help people? What does that even look like? I want my answers. This is what's keeping me up at night. I want to get to know David and Paige a little bit better. They can certainly attend those. Those are free. The second Monday of every month. The next one is December 12th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time here in the States. I really love following you, watching your videos, hearing what you say. You know, you put out some really great stuff. So listener, if you have have really been encouraged today, if you've been touched today, if you've been challenged today by David, check out his work. You know, they're really up to some amazing stuff. I don't know that anybody's is communicating these messages as coherently, but also in a way that has you feel comfortable, right? It really does feel like between you and Paige, you are challenging your clients, but you're also really helping them feel safe enough to really dive in. So I suppose that's what Daring Deeply is really all about. Well, hey, this has been super fun. I really appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you do share it with a friend and uh, also follow us on YouTube and on Instagram. And until next time, remember to leave today better than you found it. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it. Do you want to win back 13 to 37 hours of your week every single week? If you do, uh, please join us. We are going to be teaching the foolproof method to identifying the bottleneck in your business and teaching you how to resolve it. We're going to teach you all about our three epiphanies around systems. Mike, where can people learn more and tell them about the the program? Well, you're going to want to go to AutomateDelegateSystemize.com and you will learn our three epiphanies, which is automation sequencing, how to delegate and use a virtual assistant, and how to step back as a CEO using strategic retreat. So again, go to AutomateDelegateSystemize.com. That's AutomateDelegateSystemize.com and get more information now.